Bank Stadium. Their silence is deafening. 136 Israelis are still being held hostage by Hamas. Bring them home. Stadium. Their silence is deafening. 136 Israelis are still being held hostage by Hamas. Bring them home. As far as diving into some of these prospects, we're going to go down this list, of course. Casey can talk all baseball, all areas of the Dodgers, but of course his super area of expertise is at the minor league level because he's around these guys. He interviews these guys. He's completely locked in on Dodgers prospects as much as anyone on planet earth. Right? So we're going to start with Dalton rushing. It's time for Dodger baseball. And that's I don't care how many times this team rips my heart out, I'll never stop loving the Los Angeles Dodgers. Think blue, bleed blue, and I'm out. I interviewed Dalton Rushing last year. I was so impressed just with his character, with the way he carried himself. I mean, this guy just screams big league talent. It's tough to find a more refined bat at the minor league level. Mature hitter, patient hitter, the at-bat quality is there. What can you tell me about Dalton Rushing, and why is he the top prospect in the Dodgers organization? Well, first of all, he came from Louisville, of which we've had pretty good success with Louisville catchers, right? Uh, Will Smith. And then also they they produced Henry Davis, which is why Dalton Rushing was not the everyday catcher at Louisville until basically his last year there because Henry Davis was not a first-round draft pick, but the number one pick of the 2022 draft. So we got to learn under him, got to save his knees, got to save his legs a little bit, and also Dalton Rushing. I've talked to Dylan Ashotka about this who is the hitting coach at, at Rancho Cucamonga, and then also Dave Anderson, who I just got, as a matter of fact, I just released my interview with Dave Anderson, who's the pitching coach with the Loons. And the catchers are the only position on the field that actually have crossover. So they deal with the pitchers and the pitchers' meetings, and they also have to go to all the, of, the, of the position player meetings as well. So Dave Anderson had a unique perspective on how him and Diego Cartaya both, they lead those meetings, they, they know more about the other team's hitters than those hitters know about themselves. So from all of the intangible perspectives, the, the hard work, the, the meeting-type aspects of it, the game calling, they are going to be all over that. And Dalton rushing defensively, I have a couple of videos, threw a couple guys out from his knees. So defensively, he became a lot better. And then offensively, he you know this year was a little bit different for him. That first full year as a professional especially as a catcher. Just go look at all the catchers in the major leagues and look at, at their first years in professional baseball. It's not as easy as people think. Just look at Will Smith's numbers in the minor leagues, especially his first full year in the minors. It's an interesting deal. And then he had the concussion protocol. He dealt with some injuries. But this guy right here, you talk about the flat swing. You talk about not – okay, so here's the, here's the number one thing jumping from level to level, Doug. It is for a hitter, it's pitch recognition. So if you're not swinging at the right pitches, you're probably not going to make a successful jump to the next level. As a pitcher, it's, you know, Ryan Pepio, he learned this. If you throw it three inches off the plate, as you get older, you know, he got to the major leagues, he's throwing it three inches off the plate and they weren't swinging at it. And he's like, well, how in the world did this guy? Well, because they're the best players in the world, right? So as a hitter, one thing, not just the power, not just the flat swing, the hit tool, it is the fact that, what really translates into jumping levels is the fact that if you swing at the right pitches and then you also have the down, the talent of Dalton rushing, that's the type of guy that you could project will make it as he continues to jump. 
Yeah, and if you look at that batting, I've read the 220, but still the exit velocity, some of those batted ball numbers, they were still consistent. I still have all the confidence in the world. I just love the patience. I love the pop. I love the mental makeup. Now, as far as his future with the Dodgers, right? Are we thinking 2025? You got two more years of team control for Will Smith. Are you comfortable saying, okay, he's the future catcher of the Dodgers if they don't re-sign Will Smith? I don't think you have to say he is, quote-unquote, the future of the Dodgers. When you look at the future of the catching position, Dodgers, please listen. I love the prospects. You know that, DMAC. Please re-sign Will Smith. These guys don't grow on trees, right? I know they avoided arbitration with him. Sign him to whatever long deal you need. This dude is awesome, right? Okay, so I say that coming from, like I said, I come from the L.A. perspective, from the lens of the prospects. So you don't have to say Dalton Rushing is the future at the catcher position. The great thing about him, he played a ton of first base at the at the college level, at a very high level at Louisville. So as Freddie Freeman ages, I think it's not necessarily do you see him as the next starting catcher. I think it's 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 a little bit more – there's a little more complex to that. I think you can also look at the Freddie Freeman situation, the D8 situation, and see which way you're going there and which way you could plug him in. So I think there's multiple ways you could go with Dalton Rushing. I don't think it's as simple as saying, is he the future at catcher for the Dodgers? Yeah, absolutely. Like the reality is, I mean, I remember talking to him and he just wants to play and he wants to have a role any way he can. It's a similar situation. All these elite prospects have the Dodgers are always going to have a lot of elite talent at the big league level, blocking guys at certain positions. I think that Will Smith as a extension made a lot of sense. I've done multiple videos on how to pursue an extension. It just doesn't seem like that's what this organization is going to do. It just doesn't happen. It hasn't been a part of their process, but still you can never have enough talent. Dalton rushing. He's going to help this organization. He's going to help out some other organization, or he's going to help this organization acquire talent to get a world series title. So look, I still think that he's just, a very, very impressive young player in this farm system. And I think that, yeah, I'm not, you mentioned the concussion and what he dealt with. I'm not worried at all about those batting averages and that kind of stuff being down. Now, as far as Josue DePaula, to me, he's one of the most intriguing, exciting, high upside prospects in this organization that we've seen in years. 6'3", 185, still feels like he's getting bigger. He's going to fill out a little bit. Of course, the Dodgers signed him out of the DR in 2022 related to things like the cousin of Stefan Marbury, yeah. something like that. Right. So he's got that connection, that swing from what you've seen from it. It's pretty. It's got that pretty left-handed swing, got that natural bat path. He's someone that hits line drives, can opposite field, can pull the ball. How high are you on a host way to Paul? Do you think that this player is as special as stadium their silence is deafening 136 israelis are still being held hostage by hamas bring them home in a roaring stadium Their silence is deafening. 136 Israelis are still being held hostage by Hamas. Bring them home. home. A lot of people are building them out to be. Okay, so first of all, let me preface this by saying that I'm of the opinion, having seen these minor league guys and watching basically every minor league game, that unless it's a Rancho game at home because they don't have a video feed, They need to get that fixed, by the way, right? (laughs) Especially if they're going to have the outfield they have last year and you have Ronaldo Yeen throwing 100 miles an hour. Okay, I don't like to to say a guy's untouchable or that he projects to be an all-star this or that really until they jump to the double-A level. I can tell you that double-A level, okay, I say it all the time, if you're not talented enough, you die at double-A because double-A players are talented enough. They just need opportunity at that point. Okay, then if you're not skilled enough, like let's say you have enough talent, but you're not skilled enough. Like you can't throw enough strikes. Yes, your off-speed pitches are insane, but they're not in the, in the zone. Well, kind of like Ryan Pepio's changeup was the first time that he came up, right? Okay, if you're not skilled enough, you die at the AAA level. So the guys that make the major leagues are the guys that are talented enough and skilled enough, right? So I don't like to make that 
assumption. I don't like to put that on the back of a Josue De Paula when they're as young as he is, still at the single A level, still facing pitchers that are throwing 150 miles an hour, but it's behind you one pitch. It's in front of well, why isn't he hitting home runs? Well, have you seen the pitches he's trying yeah. to swing at half the time? I mean, half of them are hitting the mascot going in the I mean, Tim Rogers will tell you this, right? Okay, so having said that, he hit two home runs last year. I compare him to Bernie Williams. When I see him hit, all he that. just has Bernie Williams all over him. The power is going to come. What I hope doesn't happen is that because he only hits two home runs, you try to add lift to his swing. Now you don't have the same Josue to Paula. The, the one thing that he brings is just that sweet left-handed swing. And just because the ball's not leaving the yard doesn't mean that you're not hitting the ball hard. He still hits the baseball very, very hard. And if, if you follow Perry Husband at all, he'll tell you, he, he breaks down all these advanced analytics, if you hit a baseball 95 miles an hour or, or over, doesn't matter if it's on the ground, doesn't matter the launch angle, likely is about 50% of the time it's going to be a base hit. So he has that sweet swing. I hope they, I hope they allow him to grow his power naturally and not, you know, artificially try to add lift to it. So I love Josue De Paula. What I would say about him is, hey, let's cool the Jets just because he's so young. He's still at the single A level. Let's not put those kind of expectations on a guy that's that young. Let's let him breathe a little bit. I like that. Pump the brakes a little bit. I will say that I don't know if he can be as good of a baseball player as Bernie Williams. He definitely won't be as good as a guitar player as Bernie Williams. <laughs> his Philharmonic debuts yet in New York. Shout out to Bernie Williams doing big things after baseball. But yeah, no, I think that tempering those expectations until you see him get it done at the higher levels, I think that's definitely fair. I will say just the way he hits the ball, I mean, mm -hmm. 102 miles per hour, a 90th percentile. I mean, look at the exit velocities and just those low launch angles goes away hits line drives i agree with you you're gonna see that slug go up there's no doubt about that just a just has the tools has the frame i think uh you mentioned tim rogers tim rogers was throwing out juan soda i'm like i juan soda <laughs> once that's a once in a generation type player just imagine if you could get a star like that in your organization now Next, Nick Frasso. Now, we talked about Jackson Ferris, right, and how they're able to acquire him in this deal. You look at Nick Frasso, they get him from the Toronto Blue Jays. LMU guy who's acquired in that Mitch White trade, had his first full season since TJ in 2021. And I think for me, just look at him. I mean, that slider, that delivery, that deceptive delivery right there. He's got that fastball with the arm side run. What do you love about Frasso, Casey? First of all, he's long and he's lanky. I call it knees and elbows because as a hitter, that's all you see. You don't see the ball. You just see his elbows. You see his knees. And then all of a sudden, you see 100 miles an hour. You mentioned the TJ. Matter of fact, he had the 2020 season, then had the TJ. And then his first game back with Toronto, he went over 100 miles an hour, hadn't pitched in basically a couple of years, went over 100 miles an hour like five different times in his first time back. So this is a guy squarely – that can throw the ball over 100 miles an hour, and then he's long. The extension with Nick Frost. So, hey, it's one thing like Bruce Gratterall. He throws 99. You go, well, why didn't he strike anybody out? Well, that's because his, his extension's not very good. So, you know, you start 60 foot, 6 inches, and then if you don't have a very long stride, you're having to throw the ball a further distance than somebody that reaches out, say, 7 feet with their extension. So to a hitter, you know, Bruce Gratterall's 99 looks like 94 or 95. But maybe a 94-95 with longer extension looks like 99 to a hitter. So not only does Nick Frasso have the velo, he can reach over 100. He also has the extension. So the effective velocity, how fast it looks to a hitter, is actually even faster than what he's actually throwing. So he has a little bit of everything with that fastball. Then when you add the fact that he lands towards the third base side, which means he cross-fires, which means as a right-hander, it feels like the ball's coming out of his hand from behind you at 100 miles an hour. Then it's knees and elbows. It's deceptive. There is a lot to like with Nick Frasso. He has to stay healthy. Health has been the only thing that has held him back, and it's the only thing, in my opinion, going forward that would hold him back. That's what I'll say about Nick Frasso. Yeah, and I was just about to ask you that, Casey, because you saw towards the end of the season, the velo went down just a little bit. The yep. spin went down just a little bit. Do you think that he's going to be someone that's going to grow into the type of pitch that could handle a big league type of workload as a starter? I would see him.
in a roaring stadium. Their silence is deafening. 136 Israelis are still being held hostage by Hamas. Bring them home. In a roaring stadium, their silence is deafening. 136 Israelis are still being held hostage by Hamas. Bring them home. Um, uh, you know, be, having a, being a two-pitch, maybe a, probably a three-pitch guy, the slider and change-up and, and fastball guy. And I could see him maybe being a guy that adds versatility, maybe an Evan Phillips type of guy. I could definitely see that in his future. I could also see him being a starter, but I would have to say right now, just looking at the numbers for the Dodgers, let me put it to you this way. In the Dodgers organization, I think he's probably bullpen. And then, you know, kind of like they used Michael Grove last year, an occasional spot start, kind of a swingman type of guy. In any other organization, he's a starter. But just do the math. You know, the, these these players are told every day, Doug, hey, do the math. Look around you, man. We got dudes. All, we got nine starting spots. We got 26 spots on our active roster. We got 40 total spots. And we got like 7,000 dudes in this organization, right? So do the math. From a math perspective, I would say he's a bullpen guy. And I think that fits him perfectly. Because like we saw with Ronan Kopp, you take that extension, you take that herky-jerkiness, and you allow the other team to only see it once, and then you tell Nick, hey, don't conserve. Go out and just empty the tank from pitch one, and now that 9,900 plays up even more than that. Like I think you might see with Dustin May, if they move Dustin May to the bullpen, now you got something really nasty. Yeah, and you do expect him to see him in his bullpen 2024? I think there's a very good chance. Again, it's going to come down to health for Nick Frasso. Yeah, I think so, too. I mean, his stuff, though, I mean, he's just so fun to watch pitch. I mean, he's got that, like, Lucas Giolito top of the zone type changeup right there, the slider, the fastball, the herky-jerky, funky delivery. Love watching pitches like that. Now, next one, of course, Gavin Stone. Got to talk some Gavin Stone, a very fascinating first year in the show, of course. If you look at the numbers, nothing's going to scream okay He's someone that really realized that potential coming into the season as one of the more hype Dodgers prospects. He made his debut before Bobby Miller did at a 14-4 ERA through his first three starts. You look at the strikeout to walk ratio wasn't great. Just everything to me when it came to Gavin Stone was one, just relied a little too much on that fastball change of combination. Need that third pitch. And two, he was just so hittable. I mean, if you look at the batting averages against, like just too hittable at the big league level, did get some success, brought that cutter back, was working on some different pitches there and changing up his arsenal there at the minor league level. But did you see enough from him towards the end of the season at the minor league level to really feel good and give him some momentum heading into the 2024 season where he could get another opportunity in the show? 100%. And if you go back to my conversation with Alex Freeman, the AAA play-by-play voice, he actually takes you through this whole scenario with Gavin Stone. And if you look at Gavin Stone's playoff for performance for the triple Oklahoma city Dodgers, who, by the way, won the PCL championship since the first time, since all the way back in 1996 of which Jack Dreyer, who is a tremendous lefty in our organization this last year for the loons, his dad was actually on that team and the team name. I'll just say this was the 89ers, Doug. I'm going to throw that one out there, right? For the triple a team got to be the 89ers, right? Okay. So just looking at Gavin stone, just go back to the Alex Friedman talk on that. He made some tremendous adjustments, and you could really see it click with him. Adjustment number one, you mentioned that he was too hittable. The reason is it's real simple. I mean, we like to make this rocket science. We like to go through all these advanced analytics. When you're throwing ball one instead of strike one, you are going to be hittable at every level in baseball. And that's what's happening to Gavin Stone. He wasn't. He didn't have a pitch that he felt like, in my opinion, that he could throw to a major league hitter early in the count that wasn't going to get ambushed, right? So he was trying to play with the margins on the corners of the of the plate. And and what we see, what we saw with him is instead of being strike one, it was ball one. That's why I think the two seam bringing that back into his arsenal and then the cutter making him a little bit more east and west. So the best pitchers, Doug, are the pitchers that can attack hitters 
north and south with the high riding four seam, the tumbling changeups, and then also east and west with the right turning two seams, the left turning cutters that don't have depth. And the reason why that is your east-west arsenal of which Gavin Stone incorporated into his adjustments last year. Those are your strike pitches, right? Your north-south stuff, your high-riding forcing, your tumbling change-ups, those need to be your strike-out pitches. And so what Gavin Stone had last year were strikeout pitches, but he didn't have strike pitches. And because he didn't have strike pitches, then he got behind in the count, and now we're throwing up something that a major league hitter is just going to sit on, He's gonna and he's going to hit it. He's going to know what's coming. And if a major league hitter knows what's coming against a guy like Gavin Stone, who's not throwing 100 miles an hour, it's not going to be successful. So the east-west, in my opinion, adjustment that he made last year, got comfortable with, it got him ahead in the count. So now that changeup, he doesn't have to throw it for a strike. He can tumble it out of the zone because he's ahead in the count. And even at that, even in major league hitters, as disciplined as they are, they will chase the zone if they're down in the count. I think that's the adjustment that Dodgers fans should be excited about with Gavin Stone. Okay, you got me juiced about Gavin Stone once again. Yeah, I think early on, too, you just see he didn't have the confidence in his mm-hmm. stuff. And then he's kind of nibbling out of the zone. Then when he was in the zone, he was getting hit a lot. And I think for him, it's just a great learning experience, too, just to take everything and then refine it at the minor league level. And then you mentioned his performance in the PCL championship. I remember watching that. And for me, it was the whiffs, 19 yeah. whiffs in that game. You saw the swing and miss, the confidence, the mound presence. And I will say this. My warning to Dodgers fans, I want to remind you this. A lot of people wrote off Ryan Pepio. And what did Ryan Pepio do? Made some adjustments, got the best shape of his life, started throwing more strikes, put himself in a great position, and now he's off to Tampa Bay and missed Ryan Pepio. But just look at that there. I mean, you can see a big, 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 giant leap in year two. That first cup of coffee, lots to learn. I agree with you 100% on Stone on that one. You mentioned Pepio getting in shape. And another thing that he did last offseason, Doug, was that he made his slider smaller. He made it more horizontal. And what that did for him was making that slider smaller, it meant that he could throw it for a strike. So now instead of throwing that big slider that had a lot of that major league hitters aren't swinging at, so instead of being ball one, now you're throwing a smaller slider. Now it's strike one. Now that change up for Ryan Pepio, kind of what I'm talking about with Gavin Stone, is effective because you're throwing it in, in your count instead of hitter's counts. Yeah, look, look, the reality, too, is uh, if it's your first year, yeah, if you get a Bobby Miller, great. If you get a Bobby Miller, they can just hit the ground running and take off. That's fine. But look at those flashes. Just go back and look at his appearance. He had the six strong innings in Boston. If he doesn't come out for that next inning, give the two home runs to Justin Turner and to Adam Duvall, you're going to feel really good about that. So there were some flashes there, and I agree with you. I still think that you can't write off Gavin Stone. I still think that there's a world where he's a contributor this season. People need to start talking about him a little more. Now, Excited to talk about this next one, too. You talk about this Dodgers organization. They're a catcher's factory, man. They got a lab somewhere. They're building catchers. I don't know what they're doing, but you got Tyrone Lorenzo. And you look at him and his frame, 6'3", 195, just someone who hits the ball hard. He's got thunderous power. How much? How high are you on him? Oh, he's going to be a rock star. Uh, <laughs> hey, I said earlier you don't, you don't put the pressure on these guys when they're in the single-A level. You wait till they're double A. You're asking me as far as, okay, you know, what what do you think of him, where he's at right now? This guy in a game, Doug. So we say, well, Dodgers don't throw anybody out stealing bases. That was a problem, right? Tyrone Lorenzo, he had a sub 1-8 pop time in a game. (laughs) This guy is a rock star. He can hit balls to the moon. He has bat-to-ball skills. He is a ridiculously good defensive player. I would bet to say that just from a sheer talent perspective and upside perspective, there's not a better catcher as good as Diego Cartaya is, as good as Dalton Rushing is, just from a tools perspective and an upside perspective. Again, don't get excited about these guys where they're in single A because they're in single A. Get excited about them when they get to double A. I don't mean it from that perspective. I'm just talking about from a scouting perspective, from a tools perspective, from an upside perspective. I'm not sure there is a catcher in our organization. I don't see all the other teams' catchers as much. I know MJ Melendez. I got to see him a lot when he was in the Royals organization. He still is the most impressive catcher I've seen at the minor league level. I think Tyron Lorenzo has that kind of talent. I am that high on his tools and his talent and his upside. Having said that, 
I don't want to put that kind of pressure on him. He's still at the at the single A level, and so we'll have to wait and see how he adjusts as he as he moves up levels. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Tyron Lorenzo, that is absolutely a name to keep your eyes on. I mean, he slugged 562 yeah. at 24 bombs in Rancho. Another guy, elite exit velocity. He's a switch hitter. One thing I want to ask you, though, as far as bat to ball and contact rates, is the situation with him, would you just kind of want him to be who he is? Or do you think it to kind of reduce some of that variance, you want to improve the contact rates? Or do you think, hey, just do what you do. If you got to sell out for power, just do that and kind of be who you are. Well, one great thing about this, I don't know if you've ever talked to Dylan Ashotka, the hitting coach with the Rancho Cucamonga Quakes. This guy's a rock star coach, man. He was with the Loons, and then he came down. So he worked with Diego Cartaya the year that Diego Cartaya had the great year. Then he came down to to the the the, the Quakes last year and got to work with Lorenzo, Simon Reed, Jesus Galiz, and all these guys, Jorge Fuerta. And it's no it's no secret that they all got better, right? Okay, so the thing that that Dylan Shaka will say, and I love this, I I told him I was going to steal this from him, and I was going to say it, and I wasn't going to give him credit for it. So I'm giving him credit for it right now, okay? He talks about having a big gulp, right? We've all been to 7-Eleven, and we've gotten a big gulp, right? So if you have talent like Tyron Lorenzo, let's figure out how to become a big gulp. Let's not be a 12-ounce drink. So when you say, hey, bat the ball skills, all of this, what I can tell you is, the Dodgers are going to try to figure out how to make Tyrone Lorenzo a big goal. They will deal with some swing and miss. They will deal with some bat-to-ball skills as long as, in their mind, he is tapping out every bit of potential. What they won't do is say, hey, you still have this potential over here, but you're, we're worried about you swinging and missing a little bit too much, so we're going to cap this potential to get you to hit the ball more. They are not going to do that. They are going to continue to allow him to become a big gulp, something of which he's capable of doing. Wow. Sounds like a special talent, some guy that really has a bright future in this sport. Very excited about him. And like I said, I mean, I think he's someone that's the prodigious power yes. that he hits the ball with. It's just so, so fun to watch. Again, it. Doug, I'd like now, to next say he's single line, Another guy they acquired through a trade, drafting the 11th round, the 2021 draft by the Padres and the Dodgers. They acquired him in the Matt Beatty trade. He's a converted shortstop. This is someone electric, high 90s fastball, getting 100, got the slider, has that more of a sinking type of fastball can keep the ball in the yard, generate ground balls. Talk about River Ryan, Casey. Yeah, River Ryan, a young man. If I always say, you know, you, you talk about position players pitching, right? Well, if you had to take a pitcher that had to be a position player, hands down, everybody would pick River Ryan. He was an he was an all American shortstop at UNC Pembroke, was probably going to go to North Carolina like his brother did Ryder, who was in AAA last year. But he hurt his back in high school, so college is kind of backed off. So two-way player, two-way player with the Padres. When he came to the Dodgers, the Dodgers told him he's going to pitch. Okay, so pound for pound, I'll say this fairly confidently, the best athlete in the organization. The guy can windmill dunk. That's how athletic he is. I say that only to say we saw it with Ryan Pepio. The more athletic you are, the easier it is to access the strike zone. The easier it is to get your body in positions to not only access the strike zone, but then to also be deceptive and to be able to move the ball and to manipulate the ball a lot easier. River Ryan is a guy, you know, you, you talk to these guys who go to college and love the team aspect of it, and, and he does too, don't get me wrong. And, but they love just the kind of the camaraderie of it and the process of it. River Ryan loves all that, don't get me wrong. But he views the minor leagues as nothing other than an avenue to the major leagues. That's how he thinks. He thinks like a major leaguer. He pitches like a major leaguer. I say all the time his his strikeout rates are above 10%. Okay, but like every other prospect in the Dodgers organization, I don't mean this to be negative, he needs to get his walk rate under 3%, under three per nine innings, I should say. Okay, so if he can keep his strikeout rate at 10, 11, 12, like he's been able to do per nine innings, and then lower that from, say, four and a half per nine, five per nine, down to about three per nine, of which he's totally capable of doing. If he's able to do that, watch out because this guy's electric. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that because you saw the strikeout rate drop when he went to double-A, went up again those two games at the triple-A level, but do you make anything of that? Yeah, well, you're using the the automatic balls and strike system at the triple-A level on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Then you're using the challenge system 
over the weekend. So I, I, that would be one of the first things that, and by the way, I love the challenge system. The fans, fans who haven't seen it, I'm actually going to do a hot take on that. It, I've talked to players. I've talked to, to Travis Barbary, the AAA manager, Alex Friedman. I've talked to every single play-by-play guy. Whenever I'm in the press box, asked them what they think. To a man, everybody loves the challenge system. I'll get into more. We're not going to get off on that. But, yeah, so I think, you know, the automated system, it's not a human calling it. So the automated system was calling it a strike, that kind of deal. I think that helped, too. And then also, you know, the double-A level is a very difficult jump, Doug. It is it is a very hard jump. For, I, I say this all the time, to the double-A level. And then, you know, his, and then also you have all these other guys that, that have the high-riding fastballs, the similar profiles. And so in a six-game series, sometimes you can feel like that you need to do something different than the guy did before you because you're the same type of pitcher. And then the next thing you know, maybe you're not throwing as many strikes. So, yeah, River Ryan is a guy that that has a very high profile, and I'm very excited about him because he has, you know, just a let. Of course, he's not on the 40-man. I say this all the time. That's not because he's not as good as Nick Frost or Landon Knack. That's only because he was not eligible for the Rule 5 draft of which River Ryan and Landon Knack were. That's why he didn't get put on the 40, man. It has nothing to do with potential or talent. Yeah, no, I mean, that stuff is serious. I mean, that slider, that fastball, I mean, also, too, I mean, you don't have as much mileage on that arm, yes. too, when you look, he's not, he's almost has some untapped potential. I mean, the age is where it's at, but, yeah, I mean, he's a very intriguing prospect. Now, Kyle Hurt is someone who, of course, Dodgers fans got to see. You saw he made light work of that Padres line with Tatis and Soto, Machado, to me, what really stands out with Kyle Hurt is that fastball plays in the zone. His stuff plays in the zone. He misses bats, that change it with the tumble, the way it has that fade, the whiff rate of it. I mean, Kyle Hurt is someone who I think it feels like next season he could have a prominent role maybe towards the end of the year, get an opportunity in that Dodgers bullpen in the show. Yeah, so here's the deal. You mentioned Ryan Pepio, Gavin Stone earlier. So the first lesson, you, you kind of have that eureka moment, I call it, where, hey, if I do everything perfectly at the major league level, if I execute everything perfectly, I can get out, right? Oh, that's cool. Okay, so then the next step in confidence is, well, what if I don't execute perfectly? What happens then? So then when you realize, hey, my stuff's actually good enough to get guys out when I'm not pitching perfectly. Does that make sense? That's when you really know you got something that's really good at the major league level. That's Kyle Hurt. Yeah. So Kyle Hurt doesn't have to to pitch to the margins. He doesn't have to pitch perfectly. He doesn't have to try to throw the perfect pitch. All he has to do is throw strikes a lot of times, and he's going to get – that's how good his fastball is, his changeup, and then that bullet slider that he likes to call. And I asked him point blank, what is the one thing that you need to do to be successful? And he said, just repeat my delivery. It's literally that simple for him. The exciting part you mentioned it, Doug, about him is the fact that it's entirely up to him. We know his stuff gets the best hitters in the major league and the major leagues out, and it gets them out while he is in the zone with it, correct? That's really the telling tale right there. It's one thing to say, hey, if a guy paints the corner here, he throws a perfect changeup, he get okay. It's another thing also to say, just throw it in the zone, you get out. That's Kyle Hurt. Okay, so it's entirely up to him. If he repeats his delivery, if he is in the strike zone and challenging hitters, he is a very good major league pitcher. So that's what's very exciting about him is the fact that it's all on him. I love it, man. It's that big boy stuff, yeah. just attacking hitters. He's someone who I think the world of as far as this stuff, do you see him more as a mid-rotation starter as his ceiling? Or do you think that, okay, this is someone with, with his mix, you just go ahead and see if he can be that high leverage at the bullpen. It's one or the other. I think his stuff is so good that you either need him to start games and set the tone for you, or you need him to be at the back of the end, at the back end of games, and getting the most important outs. His stuff is too electric. It's too good to be in the middle part of the games. It's too good just to be the guy that you consider just getting you through the the the, the middle innings. Does that make sense to you? I don't care which way they go with him. I don't care if they make him a starter. I don't care if they make him a closer. But I want him in the most important parts of the game. That's that's the role I would put him in. He doesn't care where he pitches. He doesn't. He just wants it to be in the major leagues, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I just love him as a high leverage bullpen weapon. Almost him as someone who you could just step onto the scene and surprise hitters in the postseason. I just get these good vibes from from Hurt. Now, as far as Andy Potheads, of course, he missed most of the 2023 season with that labrum tear and only 142 plate appearances. But still, this is someone lots of power, lots of ability. He is someone else who dropped some weight. You look at the 
home run to fly ball rates the way they're at. I mean, he lifts the ball. He hits a lot of fly balls. But what do you like about Andy Pajes, Casey? Well, first of all, the arm, him and Jose Ramos, I think you could. I would love to see a competition. Oh. Hey, just get Andy Pajes and Jose Ramos, put them in the outfield, and let's let them throw together. And let's see who has a better arm, right? That'd be a hell of a lot of fun, I think, because those guys, they don't have cannons. They have howitzers. I mean, Andy Pajes, I've seen him throw. <laughs> eight to nine to ten balls that you just – I mean, you're, you're talking about dudes on a professional field that just watch them throw and go, holy smokes. That, you know, I, I know Cody Hosey's caught a couple, and it's like, I can't believe I just saw that throw from Andy Paez, right, over at third base. So the arm, obviously, is big time. You mentioned the weight loss anywhere from 25 to 35 pounds last year. One thing that did for him, it allowed him to play center field. He was playing a lot more center field. So the Dodgers love that versatility. He's played a lot of right field. Played some left field last year, played more center field. So if he keeps the weight down, he profiles at any position that you would like him to play. I think right field's probably his everyday position. But again, if you have Mookie Betts out there or whatever that may be, he has the versatility to play whatever role you want him to. You mentioned the fly balls. He had more home runs than any minor leaguer. I believe it was two years ago in the system. His, his home run for fly ball rate is north of 14, which is in the elite category, no doubt about it. And that's because with his bat angle, he's able to create he's able to create lift in his swing without what I call loft, which means he's able to, to get a bat angle that gets the ball in the air without having to lift his hands. And because of that, his strikeout rates aren't insane. You know, guys that 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 swing with a negative bat angle, meaning the barrel below the hands, and they lift the hands. Yes, they hit the ball in the air a lot. But, boy, do they have a lot of holes in their swing. So I think that's what makes Andy Pajas unique is that he's able to get the ball in the air without having to lift the hands too much. Yeah, it feels like he can just cover all the quadrants yeah. of the zone right there, too. He's not just someone who has, like, tons of cold zones everywhere. He's really a complete power hitter. I see him as someone who could definitely be that corner outfielder. I mean, yeah, lots of potential, lots of talent there. Now, as far as Landon Knack, he's so refined. He's yeah. so polished. You look at what he can do on the mound, I think he's someone who we could see this season. Would you agree with that? Yes, and he was taxied about two or three times last year. Yeah. Just didn't quite get the trigger pulled to get him in, right? So this is a guy that's been around L.A. He's in L.A. right now. Best shape of his life. Totally fired up for 2024. No doubt about it. Landon Knack is a guy that you mentioned refined. No doubt about it. He is a guy that has four pitches. You know, it profiles his four pitches. No doubt about it. He'll tell you four pitches. But it could work anywhere up to five to six pitches, depending on how he wants to shape his slider. He can make it more bullet-shaped to get it in the zone early in counts. He can give it more depth later in counts, kind of like we saw Pepio do last year. So it could be, you know, that slider can play as two to three different pitches. So he is a guy that will throw all four pitches in the zone in any count. I've seen it over and over. He is basically, in my opinion, he is the minor league version of Lucas Giolito. He's just a guy that goes out there and will just attack you in a million different ways, and he will throw strikes with all of them, and he will just be very efficient from that perspective. Do not look at his baseball savant numbers at the end of last year. He was dealing with injuries. So if you look at it and it says 91, 92, wait, 95, what's, why is this thing going What kind of like Nick Frasso? It's because they were both dealing with injuries, and that led to a lot of inconsistencies. That is what led to the inconsistencies in their velo. So don't look at the, the underlying metrics towards the end of last year. I can tell you he is 100% healthy, and he has pumped up for 2024. Yeah, I think it's going to be a big year for him. Some opportunities could come his way as long as he just attacks, stays confident in that pitch mix. I like what you said right there, too, just attacking hitters with all of his pitches. That's what yes. you love. When hitters are just – they don't know what to expect. They don't know what what pitches are coming that way. And you got pitches on the mound like Knack. They'll just come at them with all their pitches. They're confident in each pitch to go out there and get outs. Now, Diego Cartaya might be one of the most discussed prospects as far as his drop-off down. A lot of prospect rankings lists from Baseball America to Perspective – Whatever it may be, people are saying, oh, he's on the decline. I mean, they look at that 189 batting average that he posted in Tulsa. The whiffs were up. He's not great at picking up spin. What is your take on Dale Cartaya and where he's at in his development right now? I think he is a catcher that is grinding his way through the minor leagues, and this happens even to the Will Smith-type catchers to where you're a highly ranked prospect, you know, you have all this attention, and, and you're in the Dodgers organization, which is a just a world of attention. The next thing you know, it's June, and you're hitting a buck 80, and you're like, wow, what in the world's going on? And that monkey jumps on your back. You feel the pressure. 
then all of a sudden you start pressing. Uh, I have not talked. I didn't. I had about six different chances to interview Diego last year. I didn't do it because I just don't like to talk to guys whenever I know it's not going the way that they want. I mean, what are you going to ask them, right? I mean, what's good? There's nothing positive that can come out of the interview. So I declined to do that with him several different occasions from the simple perspective that I knew that he was pressing. So that's my opinion. I have not asked him. That's just me speculating based on me seeing him probably 25 to 30 times in person. So Diego Cartaya is a young man that I am not concerned about whatsoever at this point. This coming year is going to be huge. If you struggle two years in a row or even a year and a half in a row, that that's pretty telling. I'm not worried about the one year, especially from what I saw last year. He went out and and did all the extra work throwing down. He became remarkably better defensively, right? And coach and Scott Hennessy, the AA manager, who thank God beat cancer this last year. They call him Henny, the mayor of Drillville. He would always tell Diego, hey, Diego, don't try to be the Dodgers' number one prospect. Just go out and be Diego Cartaya. That's all you can do because if you're trying to go out there and be the Dodgers' number one prospect, you're going to press, you're not going to be comfortable, and you're not going to be as good as you should be. So I think that monkey jumped on his back. I think in terms of in the box, I think the spin part of it is the fact that he wasn't able to get to the inside fastball. Those two are tied together. So he's kind of that guy that has the negative bat angle I was talking about earlier and then also lists the hands, which means that a lot of times when you get that inside pitch, the only way that you can hit it is if you roll over that ball like a tennis racket, which means at the same time if you do that, that that, that breaking ball on the outer half is going to go right outside of your barrel. I think that part of it right there is the reason why he struggled on fastballs on the inner half at times which also was tied to the fact that with the same issue also led to the breaking ball away. Just my opinion. Yeah. Cause I mean, this is someone who's, he's always crushed fastballs, right? I mean, but now you're saying it's a problem area in the inner half. Yes. Did you think it's the swings too big? It's a mechanical flaw. How confident are you? They get this corrected from a mechanical level. I think it's a really minor tweak. And I think it's hard to make at a double a level when your manager is not with you for three or four months because he's fighting. Hey, Juan Apodaca, Oppo did a wonderful matter of fact, whenever Henny went down, the Dodgers thought they were going to have to bring in a whole bunch of different guys like Austin Chubb and roving instructors. But Oppo did such a wonderful job that they just left him alone and let him manage. So Apodaca did a great job filling in for Henny. But you get off to a bad start, then you don't have your manager that you trust so much and then all this kind of stuff. So I, I think the making the adjustments last year were difficult for him, especially seeing that he's still young. I, I think that he's one real small or maybe a couple really small, not big, real small tweaks away from just being just fine. Yeah, I'm not selling my Diego Cartaya's talk. I mean, this guy, the power is still there, right? I mean, maybe he's not going to be this higher on base percentage guy that's going to hit 30 plus home runs, but still, I think the talent is apparent. He's still young enough. And everything you point out during the show about how difficult it is to really cross that bridge from double A AA to AAA and really just kind of going through those learning moments there and just kind of growing. It's just all part of the process. Now, last one, couple questions here. We always got to end the show on this one, Casey. One, what is your hottest Dodgers prospect take right now? By the way, I want to give you a shout out. I love that series doing the hot take series <laughs> where you, you put it up in a little snippet. I think that's fantastic. But what is your hottest Dodgers prospect take right now, Mr. Casey Porter? Austin Gothier was the best minor league offensive player, period, in a discussion last year. Austin Brubaker, my wonderful co-host on Dodgers Dogs, the hot takes. He has all of those numbers, and I just kind of sit there and listen to him going, Oh, my God, I kind of come in from the coach's perspective, and he's got all these great numbers. When you look at the WRC+, Plus and you look at the bat-to-ball skills that Austin Gothier had last year, the thing that I love about the way that Austin broke it down is he compared it to other guys who have done that as well, guys like Mookie Betts. And the, the ability to become a major leaguer based on having a WRC+, Plus that's 150 or above, is like 75 to 76%. So the type of year that he had last year at the AA level would suggest that he has a 75-76% chance of being a major leaguer because of that. And then not only that, once you become a major leaguer, guys who post a WRC plus of 150 or above, 
they have a 25% chance of becoming an all-star. Now, I'm not saying Austin Gothier is going to do that. What I am saying is he can play everywhere across the, the, the infield. And then also he was an undrafted free agent. So for him to go from being an undrafted free agent out of Hofstra to having a season like he had last year with 150 whatever WRC plus, which if you just do, if you just look at the hardcore data, suggests that he has 75% chance of becoming a major leaguer, that is greatly beating the odds. And so from that, I think that's a pretty big hot take. I love it. I love it. By the way, big shout out to Austin Brew Baker, who, my opinion, does have the number one best hair in all of Dodgers media. So <laughs> definitely he's got the best show flow right there. By the way, good thing he doesn't cover the Yankees. If you cover the Yankees, you have to cut his hair, right? I mean, that's how it kind yeah, of works. Right. So that's definitely <laughs> cool to have. And yeah, I love that with God there. I think he's someone that you see all over Twitter, highlights of him. And yeah, those numbers. They don't lie, right? Those numbers definitely indicators of future success. Now, Casey, give us a hidden gem that a lot of Dodgers fans might not know about that does have some high upside at the minor league level. Ricky Venasco would be the first guy at the AAA level. You know, I'd heard his name. Hey, well, what's he doing on the roster? What's he doing? You know, what? maybe he's the first guy to DF, be, be DFA'd. I can tell you that the Rangers used him as a starter. He was on their 40-man roster. And we'll get to some younger guys here, but I want to get to a guy that I think is going to make his major league debut next year. And then they just didn't see the progress in him, so they DFA'd him. The Dodgers got him. They sent him to the complex. They move him to the pen. And I'm telling you, man, Ricky Venasco, it, he was he was awesome for both Tulsa and then Oklahoma City. This So, so whenever the season ended, he became a free agent. I was like, are you kidding me? The Dodgers aren't going to resign this guy? I can't believe that. And then they did resign him to a major league contract of which it, it was not surprising whatsoever. If you followed Ricky Venasco at all, he was never, ever a candidate to be DFA. He, he just had that good of an end to last year. So I think Dodgers fans will be super, super, super uh, excited to watch his major league debut. In terms of a guy at the minor, at the, at the lower levels, the Maytag. Jack Dreyer, whose dad, Steve Dreyer, by the way, played on the last Oklahoma City team to win the PCL. I believe it's 96, 97, something like that. And by the way, it was the first guy in relief in Nolan Ryan's last game that he pitched professionally with the Texas Rangers. Jack Dreyer, he, he set a record in Iowa in the state championship game for the most amount of strikeouts in one game. Had a really good freshman season at Iowa uh, at Iowa, he actually, his first game, his first win was against my Oklahoma State Cowboys. I remember him just shoving in that game. So I was super excited when I heard that name. And then he just went on the injury train. Tommy John, all that. Finally made it back last year, and man, was he good. And his velo, as he's getting further away from his TJ and his injuries, he thinks that he can probably sit 95, 96, something like that. With the massive curveball, we talked about it earlier, the thing that profiles about him that is so exciting is that he can get hitters out both north and south with the big curveball and the, the high-riding four-seam and east and west with the bullet type of, of cutter-type pitch and the two-seam. So he's a north-south and east-west guy. And by the way, Doug, he can put, a, put together a Rubik's Cube and 14 seconds, <laughs> and I'm not sure he couldn't beat whoever the lady's name was on Queen's Gambit in chess. He is that type of analytical guy. He's awesome, man. The Maytag, Jack Dreyer. The Maytag, a fascinating player. And those are the names that excite me, that kind of yeah. stuff. I love that. Do the Rubik's Cube test, play some yeah. chess. This guy is just a world-renowned thinker. I love it. Now, as far as last question, I always want to ask you this question, Casey. I think I'm going to ask you this question every now and then. And it's kind of in short, what is the state of the Dodgers farm system right now as far as compared to years past, compared to the talent that's currently in it? How would you kind of compare to other farm systems right now? Just what is the current state of the Dodgers farm system in your opinion? Well, it's loaded at catcher. You know, it's, it, you got Freddie Freeman, you got Dalton Rushing, possibly Diego Cartaya. You could move all these guys to first base. You have you, you the thing that I really like what they've done this offseason. You've gotten Trey Sweeney, you also have Austin Gothier. You've reloaded your talent, especially last year's draft with Jordan Thompson. You have Wilman Diaz, Rain Don Cone, all these guys. You've replenished the middle part of your infield. Third base, I think maybe an Alex Freeland could move over there. Who knows? But I think you're okay there. The outfield prospects, Kenny George, you just got you got Scott Hope, you got Josue De Paula, Jose Ramos, you got Andy Paez, Ryan Ward, you got a so you're fine in the outfield. And then we know about the pitching, especially from the right side. 
And then what you did was one of the, the aspects of the big club was that you need a high leverage lefty. You moved Ronan Cop to the pin who was just simply lights out. So you have a left-handed closer type coming, him and both Benoni Robles, left-handed closer types. And then you added a left-handed starter, which was something you needed because you moved Alec Gamboa and John Rooney to the pin. Then you dealt Lyle Lockhart Jr. last year. So really you were left with Maddox Bruns, Justin Robleski being the extent of your left-handed starting pitchers. So by adding Jackson Ferris, that made a tremendous amount of sense as far as the depth, as far as your, your left-handed starters went. So what the Dodgers have done, as good as they are, it's not just about, I say this all the time, it's not just about the value of the player, it's how they put the puzzle together. Hey, we're a little bit shallow in this part of our organization, so we need to fill the depth in here. That's what they've done the last two years with their their depth. Oh, don't let me forget Jake Geloff at third base, by the way, who's going to be big time. I'm just going to tell you that. I know I said don't wait till they're in double A. This dude has massive power. Then Joe Vetrano at first base. I love that guy, too. So they really filled in the holes. So I would say, you know, obviously your, your top-end talent is awesome like it always is. But I think right now as we speak, this is the most balanced across every single position and every single hole and or need that this Dodgers, that's Dodgers farm system has been since I've been covering it. Well, that sounds very encouraging, and that's one of the big reasons why the Guggenheim group was so different than the McCord group. Yes. You address this farm system. It's the gift that keeps giving year in and year out. Just everyone behind it from top to bottom. I mean, the whole system is designed for them not to have an elite farm system, but they continue to develop, and it's one of the big reasons why this Dodgers team is one of, if not the best organizations, not just in baseball, but in all of professional sports. And you, Casey, are one of the top experts when it comes to Dodgers prospects in the world too and really cannot thank you enough for joining us here on Dodgers dugout here at Dodgers Nation and if you are watching this and you are a Dodgers fan go right now go on YouTube Dodgers Daily be sure to subscribe to his channel subscribe to his podcast so you know all things Dodgers prospects also follow him over on Twitter at Dodgers underscore daily Mr. Casey Porter it's always a great time talking ball with you my man and uh, thanks a lot Casey Hey, no problem. It's 19 degrees with 28-mile-an-hour north wind outside here in Oklahoma. So it was wonderful to get into the warm weather and talk some Dodgers baseball. Let's go. In a roaring stadium. Their silence is deafening. 136 Israelis are still being held hostage by Hamas. Bring them home. Bring them home. 